the podcast on the Sing Second Sports Network are a ProVision Advisors production. At ProVision Advisors, we specialize in strategic communication planning, execution, and coaching for senior-level leaders and communicators dedicated to achieving success. Visit ProVisionAdvisors.net to learn more. Welcome, everyone, to another edition of the one and only Navy Football Podcast, brought to you by New Day USA. I'm Bill Wagner, Navy Athletics beat writer for the Baltimore Sun and Capital Gazette newspapers. I've been covering Navy football for almost three decades now, and I am joined tonight by Keenan Reynolds, our co-host, who is a former Navy football great, record-setting quarterback in the triple option, who went on to play wide receiver in the NFL for the Baltimore Ravens, the Seattle Seahawks. Eric Catani, our other host, is unable to join, as we you all found out Sunday. Eric and his wife, Tori, just welcomed a new baby. And uh, fatherly duties here, just le- less than a week into the baby's life, are preventing Eric from joining us, but that's all right. We'll give him a pass with the new child. Keenan, obviously we talked in the post-game report on Sunday about the improvement of the offense, uh, but it cannot be a, a one-game wonder. It, it, it has to continue. And SMU, Friday night on ESPN, national television game, is a great opportunity to show that Navy football is indeed back, that the triple option is clicking on all cylinders, as we saw against Tulsa. SMU ranks 103 out of 131 football bowl subdivision teams in rushing defense. And they have not been playing any super powerful rushing offenses. So to me, this is an opportunity for Navy to continue what it started on this past Saturday against Tulsa when it rushed for 455 rushing yards, the highest total since 2019. Tell me your thoughts. Do you see is as Navy turned the corner, or are you a way you got to show me some more guy? I'm optimistic. I feel good. I feel like you know, based on the way we played last week against another AAC opponent, I think it's another great opportunity to really get some momentum going um, and have another big game on the ground. And then you get a dub here, you move to 500, and now the whole season's in front of you, right? You only got one conference loss, and it's wide open. I mean, there's a lot of things that can happen. So um, I think this is a, a huge game to just prove to, for them to prove to themselves that they are a good football team. They can execute. They can play well. Both SMU and Navy are two and three overall. And SMU's defense is a whole, not just its rushing defense. Its overall defense has struggled. And so there is opportunity here. That That is SMU is a team that scores a lot of points gives up a lot of points. SMU has a very talented quarterback in Tanner Mordecai. He had a great game against Navy last season in Annapolis. They have one of the best receivers in Division I in Rashi Rice. He leads FBS in both receptions per game and receiving yards per game. So the offense is formidable. However, if defensive coordinator Brian Newberry can get the rushing defense to make SMU one-dimensional, it'll help the pass defense out. And I think the pass defense is slowly but surely growing and maturing. And hopefully there'll be fewer breakdowns 
and uh, less of those big chunk plays where they're getting the ball thrown over their head for long touchdowns on most occasions. Been way too many of those. Um, talk to rushing running game coordinator Ashley Ingram this week. And as we mentioned on the pod on Sunday, the return of Lirian Mertesi made a big difference. They had a lineup in which Lirian Mertesi was at center. He's 315 pounds, and he is more adept at going up head-to-head against a big nose guard. And we're going to have a guest on it for the alumni spotlight segment who breaks down a lot of Navy football film and will sh- talk about what it's the film showed Mertesi numerous times manhandling that nose guard and taking him out of the play. And then what Navy also did, they made a little change on the left-hand side. They had Ahmad Bradley, who's another 300-pounder, back playing left guard, and they moved Connor McMahon, who had been playing left guard, out to left tackle. McMahon is a natural tackle. That's his best position. His skill set is better suited to that position. And that lineup really worked well and paved the way for most of Daba Fafana's big plays and touchdown runs off the left-hand side. So, Keenan, I mean, I think this happens over the course of a season. You find your combinations and figure out what are the, you know, who are the best five offensive linemen. And I think on Saturday they saw something. Now, Mertesi is coming off a knee injury, so he's still limited. They did not give him overwhelming number of reps. They David Hickson is still going to see time at center, but, you know, that that lineup seemed to make a, a big difference. Didn't you feel, Ken? Yeah, anytime you rush for 450-plus yards, you got to give credit to the offensive line. They definitely handled business up front. Specifically, you know, when you're playing these odd front teams, uh, you talked about being able to handle the nose guard and, and how Mertesi, how well he did handling the nose guard last week. That's really the key to success in an odd front. You know, from a defensive perspective, if you can cause, if you can cause a pile, if you can reset the line of scrimmage, on an option team with your nose guard, it frees up so much. It makes life very difficult for the for the fullback to get going. There's really not a lot of room for him to for him to work. A lot of the cuts that the fullback makes depends on the the center moving the nose guard one way or the other. So if he gets backed up, I mean that just that stalls the entire play. So and and, and Navy has seen a lot of of, of odd front this season. I, I want to say every team has been in an odd front the entire game, if not a majority of the game. Um, I'm sure some people could fact check me on that, but, you know, obviously having that production, getting people in their natural spots, they got something going. You got a little bit of depth. You got some folks that have played that are getting moved around to other positions. And then, you know, the folks that played those positions before they played there also have experience. So you're building depth, you're building camaraderie and you're getting confidence because you run the ball well and like, okay, wow, we can do this. And we can do this at a high level. You know, let's let's keep this this thing going. Well, I know that Air Force played a lot of odd front. And, you know, the bottom line is David Hickson is a young player, sophomore. We mentioned on a previous pod that he did not play as a senior in high school due to injury. He didn't play as a freshman at Navy. So he was off of football for two years and he's 270 pounds. So, you know, Bertese is a better equipped at 315 to play head up on a nose guard. And it clearly made a difference. We're going to go to break, and when we return, the Academy Securities Alumni Spotlight, thanks to former Navy football great Phil McConkie, we are going to be joined by Mike James, 
All right, fans, a couple announcements from our friends at the Naval Academy Athletic Association. Navy football returns to Annapolis for back-to-back home games to close out the month of October. The Midshipmen will host Houston at noon on October 22nd, followed by a 3.30 p.m. kickoff versus Temple for Senior Day on October 29th. For tickets, call 1-800-US-4-NAVY or visit NavySports.com. And while you're on NavySports.com, be sure to grab your basketball season tickets. Navy men's and women's basketball season tickets are on sale now. Join us at Alumni Hall all season long as the mids look to build off their exciting 2022 campaigns. In addition, this year, all Navy basketball season ticket holders will be entered to win an authentic Navy football jersey, the same jersey that the mids wear at the Army-Navy game. For tickets, call 1-800-US-4-NAVY or visit NavySports.com. Now back to the pot. All right, welcome back, and it's now time for our Academy Security Alumni Spotlight. Mike James, who we've had on the podcast before, uh, Mike is both a Naval Academy graduate and media. He runs the mid-report and does an outstanding job, and one of his expertise is breaking down film. He's very good at taking the, uh, the Navy film and, and showing people with video clips uh, exactly what Navy did right or wrong, both offensively and defensively. Mike is a 1999 graduate of the Naval Academy. He served as a surface warfare officer. He was, uh, did an engineering tour on the USS Kaufman, a frigate, and was uh, the CIC officer on the USS The Sullivans out of Mayport, Florida. Uh, Mike lives down in Jacksonville. He and I have been good friends for a long time. We've covered a lot of Navy football together. Mike, welcome aboard. Glad to have you. Well, thanks for inviting me back, Bill. Well, so Keenan and I were just talking a little bit about the past game, and you heard us talking about the offensive line combinations changed up a little bit at times, and clearly it was the offensive line's best performance. Ashley Ingram, the running game coordinator, told me that this week, and he was proud of the effort, but he said it's one game. Out of five games this season, we played well once. You showed on your podcast some of the things that worked well up front, blocking-wise, and another thing, and uh, no, Keenan knows how important this is, but you pointed out with your breakdown that the slot backs blocked better than they had all season. And we all know that slot backs can no longer cut on the perimeter. And that's a big change for Navy, but you do got to do something to get in the way of a defender and execute your assignment. And too often in previous games of season, the slots had whiffed. So kind of tell us what the, game breakdown what the tape showed you up front blocking wise across the board including slots and wideouts so you know if you look at at how the fullbacks did you know everyone's talking about Fofana's game and but but Logan Point actually had a couple of pretty good carries too and when the the whole position is working well I think it's a pretty good sign that it's really the offensive line that's coming through and I just jumped on when you guys were talking about Larry and Mertesi Boy, he really had a really good game. Um, and, you know, everyone so far this year has played Navy with an odd front. And when you have a zero technique like that, it's it's really critical to get movement on him because that's what the fullback's reading when he's looking for what, what gap to run through. And if you can't get movement on that, then the fullback's just going to run into the center's butt 
and the, you get a pile at the line of scrimmage. And we've seen that over and over and over again this season, but not, not last week. You know, there were some holes opening up, you know, and Tulsa, you know, they, they were one of the, the, the problems you know, that they had was that they were over pursuing really badly. And you saw a lot of counter plays that, that were going against the grain. You get the, the, the defense moving one way, and then run the play the other way. If you look, if you if you look at the if you go if you recorded the game, look at Kent's reverse and count how many Tulsa players were either on or over the left hash by, when he got the ball. There were ten guys that were completely on one side of the the hash mark, so the, the rest of the field was wide open. So that's how badly Tulsa was over pursuing, but. If you if you run too many counter plays, eventually the defense is going to adjust. So what you need to do is you need to find plays. You need to run into the teeth of the defense a few times in order to keep them moving that way, keep them thinking they're doing the right thing. And what impressed me the most in the game wasn't even necessarily the big plays they got with misdirection encounters, but it was their ability to run into the teeth of the defense and get four yards and get five yards. And, and, and keep them, you know, and, and that's all a factor of the blocking. That's that's the job that the line was doing up front, and it was the job that the, the slot backs were doing um, out on the perimeter. I don't know if maybe they were overreacting to the new cut blocking rule, but if you look at the first few games this year, they weren't even actually physically blocking. They were just running and getting, in, you know, trying to stand in the way of a guy who would just end up running around him. But that boy, that wasn't the case on Saturday. They really, uh, I mean, sometimes they they got run over, but that's kind of life as a slot back. Um, it's still, you know, they were getting after it, and and it made it made all the difference in the world. So, Keenan, there's your confirmation from Mike James, who evaluates the film every week. Yes, every opponent has played Navy with an odd front, and that's where Leary Amitazi can make a big difference. And if you see, go on the mid report and watch the breakdown, and when you watch the 47-yard touchdown run by Daba Fafana, you see Leary Amertese completely take the nose guard out of the play. He, he steps up, manhandles him, and pushes him off to the right, and that open helped open the hole on the left-hand side. And, of course, uh, you know, the tackle, McConnor McMahon, and guard uh, Ahmad Bradley did a good job of sealing off the left-hand side of that and providing a lane. Um, and Keenan and I were talking about another guy who made a difference in the blocking. Clearly to me, I saw him execute several critical blocks that made a difference. And that's Akalea Capono, a six foot one, 228 pound junior, number 96. And we heard Coach Niamat say in his media gathering this week, he called him a tight end, and Scott Strasmeyer even said, well, I guess I don't have to call him wide receivers anymore. Coach Diamat's come right out and said they're tight ends, and he's going to switch their positions. But Mike had picked up on this because Chuck Peterson, who's the new assistant, had put a picture, posted a picture to Twitter in which he said, my position group, he had him over for dinner at his house, and it was all these former defensive players converted to wide receivers, but really, truly tight ends. And it was evidence that, you know, they were going to bring in something from the Air Force playbook of having big, uh, you know, a, a tight end who was kind of a blocker. And, uh, you know, Mike, your thoughts on that? I mean, you saw on the film 96 making big blocks. 
what was your thought? Did a really good job sealing off that inside linebacker and allowing um, um, Fofana to bounce outside on, especially on those, those trap plays, they ran to the weak side of the heavy formation. Um, and, you know, Navy has used the heavy formation a lot, but they usually have a, just a normal wide receiver in that other tackle spot. And every once in a while, you'll try to catch a defense off guard and send that receiver out, out you know, into a pass pattern. And sometimes a perceptive defense doesn't really doesn't pick up on that. And you, he's end up left kind of wide open. Um, you're not going to see that with some of these these guys. You know, I, Capono, I think, is a converted linebacker. Um, you have guys that have been kind of a mishmash of guys that some of the bigger wide receivers, some of some of the uh, guys, I think, play defensive line, too. So you probably won't see him running out in patterns. But, you know, if you're trying to, to establish yourself up, up front, you know, having that kind of flexibility, um, you're it, it's kind of a change in philosophy for, for the offense a little bit because you, you're having a package that's not necessarily spread, you know, but but you're, it's more of a power game. Um, you know, if you look at why Navy does what it does when you have two slot backs, two wide receivers is you can move the slot back around and with the same personnel group, you can line up in trips, you can line up in the regular spread, you can light up, you know, in these double flex formations where, where everything's kind of bunched up. Um, it gives you some options, but the defense can't really recognize that because the players are all the same. Um, so it's a little change in philosophy to be able to bring in a kind of a, a heavier guy at that other uh, at that other uh, tight end quote position. Um, but certainly last week it was effective. Well, I'll read you the quote that Coach Niamatololo gave on his weekly presser when I asked specifically about Capono. And he said, in our heavy set, people normally knock the front to the strong side, which means they, you know, basically shift. And he said with the implementation, implementation of the tight end, and that's when he actually mentioned the word tight end, or the two words, we're able to run both ways. It forces the defense to be more balanced. Having a tight end there helps keep people honest. Keenan, I want you to jump in because what we were just talking about with Michael, uh, Mike James, was the implementation of 96, and Coach Niamat actually referred to him as a tight end so no hiding it anymore. He's not just a big wide receiver. He's a tight end. And what he said was that it forces teams to, to usually when they go to the heavy set, teams would shift in to, the, to, to the strong side. And by having a balanced offensive line, it forces the defensive line to be balanced. Tell us your thoughts on the quote-unquote tight end. First, before I get into tight end, I, I kind of want to double back to something that Mike was talking about, about our ability to run into the teeth of the defense. And we talked about how, like, the entire year pretty much uh, when we tried to run the ball up the middle, like it was a one- or two-yard gain. And then to his point, this past week, we actually saw, like, positive, like, good runs that came with just straight running, you know, running between the tackles. So I think that's obviously a, a big key because now you're not relying on gimmicky plays, counters, trick plays, perimeter plays to try to move the ball. Like you can move the ball running right out of the defense. And that just makes those other plays that much more effective on the point of the tight end. Um, you know, we talked about it on Sunday about being in, in that heavy set. Usually, you know, for many, many years, the backside would just be a, a receiver. So then the defense can then put a, a 300 pound defense alignment, you know, head up on them if they, if they want to, and then they can go overload to the heavy set. Like you said, to the heavy side, like you said, you just go like shape five, 
shade three, five, nine, if you want to, and then pretty much make it unrunnable to the strong side. But by adding a bigger body, now they can't, you know, shift that line. Like you're saying, now we have a two way go. We actually have a better blocker backside who's like a pseudo tackle because of his size. And now we can take advantage of numbers and angles run into the backside, which we did a lot of, um, you know, teams weren't always great at adjusting to the heavy look. And we, we ran a lot of plays to the backside to a lot of success, but adding that bigger body just increases that dimension. You have your entire playbook now, and you have the addition of an extra heavy side blocker uh, on the strong side. So I think it's a great, a great move. All the other service academies are, are recruiting those types of players. So it's just another evolution of the triple option. That's kind of been an ongoing conversation uh, for the pod this year. Yeah. And actually Keenan just made a really great point with the blocking angles. You know, when, when you have to respect that, that, that weak side of, of the heavy formation and you're not overly, you know, cheating too much to, to the strong side, that, that, that's really what set up that pin and pull play that works so effectively uh, all day against Tulsa, where you had the, the extra tackle and, and, and the guard blocking down and kind of pushing them back inside and then kicking out the, the guard to, to trap the, the outside linebacker. That's what set up all those plays. And, and it's, it's, it's all about the blocking angles. You know, it's, it's something that, that has been a problem for a good part of the year, but they were able to finally kind of put it together against Tulsa. So I want to make sure, because I've seen you reference this in on your uh, mid-report before, but pin and pull, I presume that means that a certain offensive lineman pin down and then you pull other offensive linemen. Is that what you're referring to, Mike? Yeah, and the difference is that you're pulling the guard from the play side and not from the the the, 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 the weak side. So so what, what has generally been happening is – You've seen most, you know, most teams that have lined up with, you know, a zero technique and, and two, three, three techniques. And you have what it would, it, this has been able to, to give you a chance to do is kind of block down on those guys. And then you don't need the, because you don't need that guard, you kick him out. And it, it's almost like giving you an extra blocker on the play side of the formation because you're able to, to, to block down on, on the other guys. So, um, yeah, that's that. That was the play that where really was the bread and butter against Tulsa. Keenan, did you all run this pin and pull a lot when you were the quarterback? And then the other thing I wanted you to jump in upon was, you know, Mike was talking about some of the misdirection. Once she got Tulsa, Tulsa was over pursuing quite a bit, and once Navy proved it could run into the teeth of the defense, and they continued to over pursue, that opened up, you know, counter plays. And the one I really liked was they had the slot back kind of come in, you know, basically gave him the, the ball with it appearing the play would go right, and then he flipped and went left. And that was a very effective play, uh, if you remember that, Keenan. You know, to my recollection, uh, we didn't really run too much counter. We were like a heavy uh, zone option team. Uh, zone and midline option was kind of our bread and butter and go to it. it. It worked so well for the whole time I was there. We really didn't have to do – too much in the run game. I feel like uh, a lot of the counter concepts that we're running now, I want to say Army did a ton of that when we were playing them uh, earlier on. Like that's kind of been a staple of Army's offense and they were good at it. I mean, and they, they sliced us a few times, multiple times where it's just tough to stop um, if, if it's executed correctly. So I feel like some of these, these added counter dimensions have just been just, picking up pieces from from other teams 
um, whether it be, you know, other service academies or just other like really good spread teams that run a lot of cool concepts and like implementing them within what we do. Um, so, I mean, I, I think that uh, it's we got something going now, especially I think we can kind of see that we are we're indexing the run game on the on the backs, on the, the fullback and the A backs are the kind of load barriers of the run game and not necessarily the quarterback. And so if that is the case, you kind of have to design plays to get them the ball intentionally. Whereas, you know, a lot of the triple stuff, you know, a lot of times, especially if a team is scheming us, they can scheme it to where they keep the ball in Ty's hands or they keep the ball in the quarterback's hands. Or if you're running a lot of zone option, likely it's going to be a lot of heavy quarterback runs. So when you're trying to get the ball into, you know, the back's hands primarily, you got to kind of scheme your plays like that. So I think that's why we're seeing probably a little bit more counter um, and and different concepts to get the ball directly into their hands. So I like the more concepts Navy shows the better because, you know, guess what? SMU is this week looking at all sorts of things that it had not had to worry about in the past. And the more the defense has to prepare for, the better. But on the surface, knowing that Navy's using the tight end more and doing some of these uh, counter plays. And I think Mike actually referred to one of the plays as a counter tray, which was the old Washington Redskins back when they were winning Super Bowls with John Riggins. The counter tray was their money play that they always ran well with big offensive line, the hogs up front. But what do you see as opponents, defensive adjustments, and what can Navy come back to when opponents try to take those types of plays away. Mike, then Keenan. So I think when you look at the Tulsa game, you don't necessarily want to get too carried away with some of the plays that you saw just because I don't know if it would necessarily translate well every week. Um, one of the, the things I think I had a pretty, pretty good feeling that the coaches knew what was coming from Tulsa because they ran a lot of the same stuff that they did last year. And so that was what the, the, they game planned for, and they were able to install a lot of these things. Um, you know, this week against SMU, their defensive coordinator, you know, they, they, he was at Liberty last year. They played Army. They got run over. They lost, I think, 31 to 16. So he's probably not going to do the same thing that he did last year. So they may not know what's coming. And if, if they go out there and, and what they expect to see isn't what, how SMU actually lines up, then you kind of have to scrap that and go back to your bread and butter. And that's what I kind of need to see before I really feel comfortable say, saying that the offense is fixed. When, when, what can they do when they don't know what's coming? They, they knew what was coming against Tulsa. They ran this pretty much the same thing that they did last year. If they don't know what's coming and they're still able to execute – then I, I'll say, yeah, then, then the offense is fixed. But what to your point, though, to have the tight end and to, to be able to run some of these plays, I think it just gives you a couple more plays in the playbook, a little more in your arsenal to be able to respond to some of the things that, that the defenses throw at you each week. And, Keenan, I'm going to ask you to kind of jump in on that. And the other thing, and frankly, we still have not seen a whole lot of quarterback production in the run game. And also, Ty was a little off of his game throwing the ball against Tulsa. I think on Friday night against SMU, Ty's going to have to show up both throwing the ball, connecting some passes. And again, he still needs to be more of a factor in the run game. For sure. First of all, I just want to say Mike's point is literally you can't even – you can't describe it any better than that. Um, 
there were so many times when we when we were playing, when I was playing, where we would game plan a certain scheme. Like we think they're gonna come out in this and run this. And then we get out there literally first snap and be like, well, we throw that game plan away. And so we pull out another game plan from another team. Like, all right, we're gonna run it, we're gonna run this. I remember practicing all week against like a, a an, an array of defenses. And then Friday night before the game, we got some data that they were going to be in something else and like completely retooling a game plan on Friday night and trying to play and play it on Saturday. Now it didn't go so well, <laughs> but like those things happen. Right. So um, I think that they have to be ready for anything. They have to be able to have to Mike's point, those bread and br- bread and butter plays that, all right, you guys want to line up in and even front. Cool. We'll run these plays and we'll execute them and we'll move the football. Like that's the real like Navy offense, a litmus test that when you know what's coming, you can execute. Well, a great example of this is the 2016 season. Every team that year, almost, and this come from talking to the coaches after that year, every team that year wanted to re-implement the Houston defense that shut us, that quote, shut us down my senior year. So all the AAC opponents were running that defense. They spent the entire offseason scheming against that. So they had a, a, a nice book of plays, and they carved up everybody that tried to run that defense. You fast forward to the AAC championship game. Temple comes out in a, in a base 6-1, pretty vanilla, and they just say, beat us with physicality. Are you more physical than us? And we got pounded. Now we had some guys get hurt, but we weren't looking good before guys got hurt. So that's a perfect example of, like, you know, obviously we know what's coming, we, we can ex- and we execute well against it. Like it, we're hard to stop, but can you adjust on the fly? So really looking forward to seeing that. And to, to your point about Ty, right? I think you, you know who he is and what he can do. And so I don't, I'm not expecting him to come out and have 25 carries for 120 yards. I would like to see a higher average. So you know, I, you don't have to carry the ball 25 times, but can you give me four to five yards per carry instead of 2.8? And then if you're not going to carry the ball 25 times, you have to be productive and hit hit the open receivers on those chunk plays because you don't get a lot of those. They only you call a play, you scheme it up perfectly, you get one shot. And if you don't throw a touchdown or if you don't throw a 60-yard play on that one opportunity, there's there's no guarantees that you're going to get that again. So you have to hit those open receivers, especially if you're not performing well running the ball in that game or you're not getting a ton of carries or, or having a lot of impact in a run game. Yeah, and actually, I kind of want to jump in on that a little bit. I think if if we can start to see more more regular, just better play from from the center position and get some of that movement, I think one of the things that's really going to help is Ty because I think it opens up the midline a little bit. And I think Ty is most comfortable as a downhill runner. If you can get him moving, you know, downhill he's kind of a long strider but he's a tough guy and he can put his head down and pick up you know a yard or two just off a contact um I think where he struggles a little bit as a runner is when he has to kind of run down the line and try to make a cut he it just just doesn't look quite as comfortable that way but if you can run the midline you can get him running up that a gap right away and and get him have him pick up a head of steam I think we'll see his he his running ability become more of a factor and I think that becomes possible if we can control that 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 uh, that defensive tackle in an odd front. So, Mike, uh, I agree with you. And the other thing that's become evident, Keenan and I and Eric on the pod, is that Ty is also way more comfortable in the shotgun. That's that's what he was in the shotgun in high school, and it's quite clear to me that he's more comfortable operating out of the shotgun. 
I will ask you, did the film this past week show Ty making better reads in terms of, you know, reading defenses and, and distributing the ball? It appeared, obviously, on the field that he did a much better job with that regard and that he made some good decisions. Is that what you saw on tape? I actually think Ty's, as far as his reads go, ha- have actually been okay for most of the year. I think his his struggle has been less of, of making the right reads than it is actually just running the ball. Um, and, you know, when, when the offensive line is, is, is struggling a little bit, every player is going to look, look questionable. I mean, we can, you can point to Ty and his reads, but the fullbacks weren't getting any yards either. So at that point, uh, I don't know. I, I think he definitely looks comfortable running out of the shotgun because that because you're starting five yards back, you, you're able to get you're running downhill right away. Um, it so I think that everything looks more more. He looks more comfortable just because it doesn't look as awkward when he's trying to make a cut because he's just 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 running you know downhill immediately. Um, so yeah, he looks a little more comfortable, but I think. You know, as far as his reads go, and and you know, one of those, you know, one of those touchdowns, it was actually he checked. Ty checks the play at the at the line of scrimmage, and you can see he, he called out and he looked at the blocking angles and he saw the right. You know, he changed the direction of the play at the line of scrimmage. Um, so I think he's he's doing okay in that regard. Um, but but yeah, definitely running the ball, he's definitely more comfortable out of the shotgun. So I can tell you, Keenan, that when I've been watching Mike's film breakdowns and analyzing various plays and why they work and don't work. But when you were a junior and senior at Navy, uh, you got pretty high marks from the mid report with regard to reading defenses and uh, getting the ball where it should be. Correct, Mike? Yeah, I don't I I wouldn't be. uh... (laughs) You know, I, I like what I do, but I don't think I would be comfortable ever giving uh, Keenan Reynolds a grade on anything. <laughs> Keenan, here and there, I think I would actually, after some games, like check out the, check out like what how you were breaking down the plays. I was always interested to see like, because if you don't know the call, and if you don't know like what the look was was on that play, I'd be just curious to see like how it lined up and how quick. Because sometimes like there's some plays where it's like a call give in some plays where it's called triple. And sometimes they're hard to, it's hard to, to know to the layman what, what's going on. I'm not saying you're a layman. I'm just saying like, like the average fans looking, they don't know, is that supposed to be a give or is that supposed to be triple? So it was always cool to see you like be able to uh, distinguish like, no, that was a call give or actually this is what they were doing on that play. And the last, I mean, from what I remember, you were pretty, pretty dang spot on. So, uh, Definitely, I like watch. I like uh, watching you live tweet the games too. Uh, it's always cool to see like more of an analytical thing decision making because um, that's kind of how I look at the game when I when I'm watching them play. Yeah, I'm going to consider that the the highest compliment I've ever received. So thank you very much. <laughs> well, guys, we're going to take it out, but I will do so by saying Cincinnati and Tulane are two and zero in the league. Central Florida is one and zero. Memphis Navy are two and one. So I mean. Navy is, in essence, tied for fourth. So it is wide open. And then the following week, Houston's one-and-one is behind Navy, and that's who's coming to Navy Marine Corps Memorial Stadium the following week. Temple is 0-1 in the league, 2-3 and overall. They come to Annapolis the following week. So there's opportunities here, guys. 
And uh, it will be interesting if Navy can get this SMU game on the road and then has some home games that are winnable. I really like the chances of competing in this conference. Uh, final thoughts, Keenan. Yeah, I think we could uh, not to like project too far ahead, but you, we could get on a little roll here and, and be a win away from bowl eligibility uh, for the first time in a few years. Uh after that Temple game, um, very beatable, very beatable team this week. Houston has – you never know what team you're going to get, and you don't know if they're going to fight each other during the game as well. Um, so they're beatable. Uh, we've had we've had their number at home. Um, Temple, beatable. I mean, the, the, the road is there. The opportunities are there. This week's going to tell us a lot about consistency, about, you know, are the problems fixed? Are we getting better? So – this week will tell us a lot, and we'll, we'll see what happens tomorrow night, and uh, we'll, we'll analyze and move on. Well, thanks, everyone, for listening to another great edition of the Navy Football Podcast. We were really pleased to have Michael James on. Mike is just so good and uh, is such a, a like Keenan said, analytical about how he views Navy football, and it's just great to have him breaking it down with some X's and O's. just adds to the expertise you're getting on this podcast. We will be back on Sunday to break down the SMU game and uh, do the little post-game report. So until then, uh, go Navy and beat SMU on Friday night.